You're listening to the Saddle Hunter Podcast, the world's first, last, only, best, most important, most favorite, most life-altering hunting program in the universe. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Scott. All right, Greg, what's going on? Man, I am just happy to be here, finished with Saddlepalooza. I wish I could go back, but Saddlepalooza's done. Uh, man, it was so much fun. Did you have a good time? Oh, I had an absolute blast. I was going to say one long word, Saddlepalooza. You can't beat it. We we had so much fun. Yeah, it was a total blast. And, uh, you know, normally right now we would talk about what we've been hunting and what we've been seeing and what's going on, but... You know, I think we should just talk all Saddlepalooza. What do you think? Yeah, because the answer to any of those questions certainly wasn't pigs. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't pigs, but it was Saddlepalooza. So, hey, if you're listening right now, we have partnered up with the DIY Sportsman Podcast, Garrett and Bobby Boswell. They're members of the forum. They have a podcast called the DIY Sportsman Podcast on the Sportsman's Nation Network. So we actually did this podcast with them. And we split it up. We split it right in half. Part one is over on the DIY Sportsman podcast, and we're going to be part two. So if you keep listening to this, you're going to miss a whole half of this. So what you need to do is stop what you're doing and download the Sportsman's Nation podcast. They're on iTunes. They're on Google Play. uh, And you can get it at uh, sportsmansnation.com, I believe. So stop what you're doing. Jump over there. Listen to the first half and then come back and check this one out. I mean, I think that's why a lot of people come to saddle hunting. That as well as, you know, the comfort of it, you know, goes back to saddle shape, which is a term that Greg kind of coined, I guess. And it refers to not necessarily your physical shape, but more of your body's ability to accept the pressure in certain areas. So because sitting in a saddle is a little bit different than a traditional tree stand, your body will get accustomed to sitting in that saddle. So therefore your body will become in saddle shape. Um, you know, one of the guys there at saddle Palooza, big country, he had like three fused vertebrae in his lower back and they had like, you know, six, three inch pins in his lower back basically. And that was the reason he saddle hunted was because it's the only way he can hunt without his back hurting him. Yeah. I thought that was pretty crazy. I think it's a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a real thing. I mean, I remember when I started saddle hunting, you know, in 2008 or 2009, you know, something like that, 10 years ago, uh, I had to get in saddle shape. It was a thing. I mean, when I first started, I would get all kind of pressure on my hips and on my butt and on my lower back, and it was just part of it was an experience. You know, I didn't know how to set it up properly, but also part of it was my hips, like Bobby said, you know, get my hips getting used to it, you know, getting used to being pushed a certain way and my, my butt getting used to being pushed in a different way than is in a traditional tree stand. So yeah, it's definitely a thing. I I think it's even more than just the initial break in period of your body for getting used to a saddle. But every year at the beginning of the season, I would say that my body has to get in saddle shape because it, you know, you're not used to sitting like that for long periods of time. And even if I'm in my saddle practice and shooting my bow, it's never for like three, four hour sits, which is what typically I'm doing at the beginning of the season. And it just takes uh, a couple of sits for 
the uh, the pressure points on on my butt and my hips to just get used to it again. It's it's not like it's that uncomfortable, but you know, I'll, I might feel a little bit sore after my first couple hunts as I'm getting used to it again. Yeah, and and not to go back. Uh, well, I guess to kind of jump back to what we were talking to previously, but Garrett, I'm pretty sure you have a video on the DIY Sportsman channel that shows a Ropeman one, the the function of it. Uh, is that true? Yeah, I've used it in a couple of my videos. Yeah, and and the only reason I mention that is because I think it's so important. I mean, one of the huge safety factors of of saddle hunting is that we employ this use of this lineman belt, and the 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 Ropeman one makes it so much easier to do it and to do it safely. And what I've kind of found, for me at least, is if something's easy, then I'll do it. If it takes a lot of effort and time and it's kind of a pain in the butt you know i I won't do it and so the ropeman one uh it really makes it easier for people to be safe and i did a video on it as well showing the difference between that and a prusik knot so there's lots of options out there for guys that want to know what it's about you can you know check out garrett's video and you'll see exactly how it works yeah and i'll just throw in one additional clarifier real quick is that uh the ropeman one versus the ropeman two ultimately come down to what size rope you're using. If you're using a bigger rope, like a, a 10 or 11 millimeter climbing rope, you're going to want to use most likely a rope man one. Whereas if you're using like an eight or a nine millimeter rope, I'm using an eight millimeter for my lineman's belt. Then you would go with a rope man two. They're a little bit differently designed. And I think what Greg hit on right there is, uh, there were some really good points in that. Um, even though us as saddle hunters, at least on the forum, we're always pushing the limits of, of new equipment, evaluating, trying to find new and better ways, we are probably some of the most safety conscience hunters out there because we are depending on our saddle and our equipment 100% of the time that we are in the tree. And once I leave the ground, I need to know it's going to work. So while if you go on the forum, you might see us talking about a lot of different stuff that you might question. But um, that doesn't mean that's always what we end up on. But we'll be brainstorming and troubleshooting, and we're all doing all this stuff on the ground to determine is this an acceptable way for us to do it uh, better once we get up in the tree. And there's enough guys on the forum that if somebody sees something that looks unsafe, they're not afraid to voice their opinion in a respectable way to say, hey, guys, look, I don't think this is the best way. And then there's enough people there that can take that information, that feedback, and help come up with a safe way or the right way to do it based on what that person was trying to do. And that's the greatest thing to me about the form. Yeah. yeah Completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, Bobby hit the nail on the head. There are a whole lot of smart guys on the forum that really are just interested in helping people. I mean, honestly, that's really what most guys want to do. They want to get more people educated about hunting from a saddle and help them do it safely. And, you know, uh, we hear it all the time. Uh, Scott, I know you could echo this, but I mean, people join the forum every day and they say, man, you guys are so helpful. I'm used to other forums, you know, out there where people get arrogant and, you know, they get clicky and they don't want to help new guys who ask the same questions over and over again. And it, it just hasn't gotten to that point on Saddle Hunter where, you know, it's a, it's a closed minded group of guys. Everybody wants to help and, you know, and mm-hmm. they're really smart and able to offer out a lot offer a lot of good advice oh yeah we got we got some great guys on there and it's it's always appreciated and um just following up on uh, that that point because saddle hunters we're kind of 
we're stuck in a, a, a world that no one else really knows. Like, sure, we we try to stick to following like arborist guidelines, but realistically, they're probably a little more than we need. Uh, tree stand hunters, well, that a lot of that stuff is has certain testing that it goes through, but that's not really relevant to us. So that's why a lot of these guys on the forum, like we we kind of have to get together and talk it out and determine what is practical for us because no one else knows better than us. Yeah, and I think a lot of the guys on the forum do have backgrounds in arboriculture or mountain climbing or engineering and are able to to really bring some outside insight into, you know, what they see on the forum. Yeah, a lot of guys there are, you know, like Ernie, for example, he used to do, uh, you know, tree trimming. So he has experience with ropes, knots, spurs, things like that. So, you know, for me, that was a good source to see Ernie using his spurs because it's a reliable source. He's been doing it for a long time. Obviously, he has some extensive knowledge with that. Yeah, for sure. And, man, he was fast going up that tree. Gosh. I don't think I, I think he could have beat a squirrel up the tree. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. We we said it what at during the event that he was like a squirrel on crack, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way he shot up that tree and just like, you know, the way he held his lineman's belt in his hand as he did it. You know, that right there showed somebody who has experience doing that. You know, I would have used it like a flip line, but he kind of like held it in his hand as he used his hands on the tree and it was really interesting to see. That's how I do it. It's just, it's a lot more efficient. The flip line method works and it's probably actually at the end of the day a little bit safer. But the way that he does it is it's much more efficient, much quieter, and it's a lot faster. Oh, uh, yeah, I can absolutely see that. Speaking of efficiency, one thing that really started to catch my eye down there uh, was the <clears throat> ways that people have learned to use the wild edge tree steps. You know, that they've been around forever, ever since Jim Step, you know, first put them on the market after he invented them. And they're always kind of used with a slow knot and people would put one step on the tree for each step that they would take going up. So you might have 10, 12 steps to get to your hunting height. But now in just the last few, you know, weeks and months and years, people have come up with different ways to climb with those wild edge steps to kind of bring out the advantages of them, which obviously they're extremely sturdy but take back some of the drawbacks to them, which would have been, you know, how long it takes to set them up, for example. So there's a couple of different methods that I have now seen and tried that people have used to reduce the number of steps that it takes to get to hunting height, whether they're using the wild edge aider or they're using a, a climbing method that one of the forum members, Kane, came up with. Um, and then in addition to that, somebody had just posted a video where they, you know, figured out a new way to tie the same knot that saves a lot of time each time you tie on one of those steps. So I, I mean, last night I went on Wild Edge's website and I ordered three more of them just to play around with. Yeah, I think there wasn't hardly a time during daylight hours at Saddle Palooza that you could look around and somebody wasn't messing with a Wild Edge step at a tree, whether it was, you know, using an aider to climb or just trying to learn that new knot. Like you said, the benefit of it is you don't have to pull that full length of rope all the way through the step every time. It was simply you pull the rope through, then you kind of flip it into a loop and go over the standoff, pull it tight, cam it over, so you don't have to pull eight feet of rope through the the entire step or six feet or whatever it might be. It was just, it was so simple. It's like for well, the first time I seen it, I was like, how has these steps been around this long and nobody 
able to come up with this way to tie the knot until now. And it's just one of those things that it's going to stick with me. I'm not, the biggest thing for me is like, if you put those wild edge steps down, you would forget that knot. But now that I've seen that, it's so easy. It's just going to stick in my mind for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up, Garrett. There was a, uh, when I first saw the video posted on saddlehunter.com, I believe it was Boyne Bowhunter that posted that method. And it was basically a, a takeoff of Kane's method for releasing the knot. But anyway, so he posts the knot, the knot method on Saddle Hunter, and I was blown away. And so I immediately sent it to Andrew, you know, the owner of Wild Edge. And I said, hey, man, you got to check this out. And he responded back with like a, holy crap that's the coolest thing i've ever seen and and now they have gone and and he put a video out i saw it today on on their instagram feed and uh showing both the knots the the old way the new way uh and timing it all it was pretty cool and and while i was trying to figure out the knot i can't remember who it was with i think it was maybe with jay kelly or one of the guys there i was trying to figure out the knot and we tied it a couple times or maybe it was i'm there ricky richardson i I can't remember, but anyway, I tied it a couple times and we eventually figured it out. And, and then we both forgot, like Bobby just said, and we're standing there, you know, like a couple of idiots staring at the tree with the wild edge step on it. And Bobby walks over, grabs it. And like a freaking ninja, Mr. Miyagi karate kid or something, he just whips this knot out in like three seconds and tightens it down. And we're both looking at him just flabbergasted at how quickly he did it. So I, I would say you figured it out, Bobby. I mean, it's just one of those things that when I've seen it, I'm like, wow. And it just, it's going to stick with me forever. I mean, it's kind of, to be honest, it's kind of rekindled my interest in the the steps, especially as a platform option, you know, just because the ability to tie that knot so quickly, you know, that was always the biggest issue. Now I've just got to kind of figure out, work out the weave to get four of them to sit on a level platform. And once I have that, I think I'll have a, a good strap on platform option that'll go up in no time. And the reason it's so important to time quickly isn't really saving time as much as just when you're when you're up there struggling to put your platform on or struggling to put something on. Mentally, you know your hunt is starting and you're screwing it up. And if you can just get them on quickly and and uh, efficiently, it just it makes your life easier and better. And fatigue starts to set in at that point. Whether you're using an aider or something like that, where all your weight is on one foot. You know, obviously that's going to eventually get to you. You know, obviously you're using something like a muddy step or something where you have both feet on it. It's not that big of a deal. But if you're trying to use a, you know, a wild edge step and an aider or, you know, whatever climbing method you're using, fatigue sets in the more you're dealing with something at a specific spot. You know, obviously if you can keep your feet moving, shifting the weight, it's easier. But if you get hung on your platform trying to get it set up, that's going to put a lot of fatigue on your foot and then that's going to frustrate you and your hunt's going to start downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another thing about wild edge is, you know, there's such a big supporter of the saddle community. I mean, uh, Andrew donated a complete set of his mobile, uh, of his, I, I think he calls it the running gun setup, but basically he donated some tethers and a tree strap and a lineman's belt. He donated an aider and, and he donated that full set of 12, st- 12 steps. Like I said, and actually Jess, I believe, is the one that, that took that home with her. So that was pretty cool to see, too. Yep. We had a lot of great sponsors, you know, not just Wild Edge, but, you know, Arrow Hunter. They donated four custom Kestrels, which was, uh, I mean, so cool. I know there is some wheeling and dealing going on in the forum for some folks who want to get their hands on that. So a Kestrel with 
the Predator and the ASAP pattern in, of camo, which never been done before. It's not for sale. I mean, it's essentially they're one-offs, and that was amazing. And we had a you know a lot of other companies that that I could talk about that helped make the event possible by donating. And you know we raffled that off, which made the cost come down for everyone. So it was just a win-win for everyone. Uh, and I'm certainly appreciative, and I, and I know you guys are as well for those uh, those sponsors that made that happen. Yeah, it, it was really great to see because um, we don't have very many companies supporting the saddle hunting community. So I think it's very important for us as saddle hunters to turn around and support those companies that choose to support us. And another funny one, uh, Lou from Stealth Strips, he donated a whole bunch of his products to uh, to the event. And Garrett, who is like Mr. <laughs> King Stealth Strip, he actually <laughs> won some of them. So I thought that was hilarious. How did Ernie not win back one of his platforms? <laughs> that had to have been rigged. Ernie yeah. bought the most tickets of anybody there and donated. What did he donate? Two or three platforms? Yeah, he donated two complete platform setups. Trying to get one of those Kestrels, those special edition Kestrels, and he still didn't even win back one of his own platforms. That had to have been rigged. Pretty hilarious. Rigged. You had to have rigged something there. I don't know. Man, and I have never seen a bigger group of babies. I am talking to you people <laughs> of SaddleHunter.com complaining about the little girl you know madeline decker or uh matt madeline yeah that was her name madeline pulling the names of the hat and they're yelling at her shake it up shake it up <laughs> uh, and i'm i'm just losing my mind over there going guys it is not rigged give it a break <laughs> yeah it was getting everybody was there having a good time you know trying to get something and it was it was good especially like you said all the sponsors to donate all that stuff I think everybody made out with a hawk hat, um, you know, in camouflage orange. They even donated some pink ones, so that was kind of kind of good of them. Yeah, that was super cool. That was very very generous of all the sponsors. And you know, something else we need to talk about is the the Bullman Outdoor Silent Approach Steps. Now that everyone's had a chance to kind of get their their heads wrapped around that, you know, um, Sean was super generous and donated a complete set of those. So. Uh, what were you guys' impressions of, of the silent approach steps? I did a review on them on my YouTube channel oh, a couple months ago, I guess, you know, right after they first came out. For the listeners out there who might not know about this step, it's a new step to the market. It's similar to the old Ameristep strap-on step. So it's a single step on a single strap. So you would use, you know, 12 of them to climb. Um, you know, obviously us as saddle hunters, we pull them off and put them on some type of ratchet strap as a platform. And I used them as a platform um, when I was back in Missouri, tested them out a little bit there. And I think on a on a ratchet strap with a good heavy-duty webbing strap, I think they can get plenty tight enough to be used as a platform. Um, you know, they're a really good option. Obviously, if you have a good platform or a strap on steps or something like that, you really don't need to go out and get some. But if you're getting into it and you want to try a ring of steps as a platform, I think they're the best option out there. Yeah, I would probably tend to agree with you that <clears throat> it seemed like, you know, for a viable, commercially available platform option, they're one of the better choices if you can get them on a, a good ratchet strap. I'm kind of preferential to like the old Ameristep design where you had the strap above the, uh, where you place your foot. But after watching your video and actually getting to try out the steps, it, it definitely, you know, changed my mind a little bit in terms of what they were capable of. I don't know if they would, for me, um, 
be rated higher than like the wild edge or like a, my climbing sticks for climbing the tree. But yeah, for a platform option, I would certainly say that they're something to consider. And Scott, you use them. I know I saw you use them as both a platform and a climbing method while we were down there. Yeah. I'd like to talk to Sean a little bit. We, um, I'd like to give him some feedback on it. My thing, the strap they send, I just, I feel like you can't get it tight enough on the tree for a single step. Um, you know, by the time you put your weight on it, it kind of sags down the tree and it's just not, not as tight as possible. And then where the strap slot is in the step, the step can be, you know, inverted. So you can put it on kind of upside down, which is really easy. You just kind of turn it over. Um, but for me, I, I, I didn't plan on using them as a climbing method, similar to kind of what you use, Scott, but more as just a mm -hmm. platform option. Yeah, and I'd like to caveat that with um, how appreciative we are of him donating to Fatalpalooza. And um, I bought them originally to try as a platform, and we literally bought them as soon as they came out, pretty much. And um, I've been climbing with them probably for the past month. I've been trying them out. And um, so I've probably climbed almost as much as anyone besides him. So um, I'd definitely like to talk to him to give him some feedback. Yeah, I've actually talked with Sean a couple of times, and that guy, man, he is a great guy. He is, he's the kind of person that you, you just want to do business with and you want to see him succeed. He's just a great guy. And uh, I gave him some of this feedback, so I know he's going to, you know, work his butt off to make the things better and, you know, because he's just – he's a hunter just like us, and he wants to produce the best gear for – for everyone out there. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Bullman Outdoors, and uh, I know he's going to make an even better product with the feedback that he's gotten from us. So that's a good thing. And he's, in, he's a new company. Really, he's only been out five months, maybe six months. You know, So he's a really new company starting off. Like I said, Greg, he's a, he's a great guy. I've talked to him a few times as well. Um, you know, Really good guy. It's funny, Scott, earlier in the podcast you said – it's the it's the saddle hunter effect i believe that's the term you used mm -hmm. and i remember right after he came out uh with the product and somebody from our forum i wish i could remember who it was but somebody found it and posted it and it went nuts and i think i called him like two or three days later and he goes what in the world is saddle hunting he said i'm getting all these orders <laughs> for six steps and i have no clue what it is and and i explained it to him and he was like oh okay that's pretty cool and so we kind of struck up a friendship after that i'm probably it was probably exactly the same for you bobby and uh it was it was pretty neat uh to explain that to him and and kind of walk the dog with him on that it was fun yeah absolutely hopefully maybe somebody will eventually come out with a good um you know kind of a replacement towards like the mare step strap on tree step that's been typically the go-to for most saddle hunters out there uh, you know i know a lot of you guys now use a platform style or a small tree seat but i know me and me and scott are kind of the stick to the home crowd with steps so maybe we can hopefully somebody will come out with something now that saddle hunting has gained a lot of popularity i'm with you because Someone's i still use to. the steps a lot uh any all any and all of my preset trees if i go and set up a tree ahead of time you know in a funnel or a pinch point or somewhere where is known for rut activity i use a ring of steps i use a mare steps i've got like 40 of them on on ratchet straps and that's what i do for all my presets i've gone to using the seat style platform for my my running gun because i'm usually using spurs and i just find it works better with spurs 
but that's the only reason I've gone away from the Marist Steps a little bit. They're still, you know, right up there at the top of my list for a platform. I think they are for a lot of people. Just look at the used prices that people are selling them things for. It's ridiculous. I know, right? I think ultimately what we're at is probably like a 50-50 ratio of, of platform to steps. Um, I know a lot of people try to platform this year, and there's a, a few platforms on sale on the forum right now because they're just saying, that you know, it's just not for me. And that's what it all comes down to is you got to try something out and see what works for you. Like Boswell and I, we both like standing on steps. Um, Garrett and Greg both stand on a platform, and does it matter? No, it's it matters. That's what works for us, and we're all saddle hunters. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. It's a very individual, very individualized method of hunting. That's what makes it so great. I mean, even just the way you sit in a saddle, leaning, sitting, kind of a hybrid in between. Um, you know, there's so many different ways to use it. That that's what makes it so versatile for pretty much mm -hmm. any hunter that's out there. Yeah, it's an awesome way to put it, Boswell. You know, I was I was uh, thinking about this a lot on my commute to work today. I, I have like a 45-minute one-way commute. And Garrett, I know you still haunt out of your lone wolf uh, quite a bit. But I'm trying to think, and, and I want to have an honest discussion about what the advantages of a tree stand, traditional tree stand, are over a saddle. Can we talk about that for a minute, just because I'm curious? Sure. Familiarity. I mean, it, to me, it's everybody has started hunting. They hunted in a tree stand. So they're yeah. familiar with how they work. They're basically pretty simple. Strap it to the seat or true to the tree, sit your butt in the seat, and that's really it. Yeah. So I think that, to me, that's most of it, is they're just so familiar with that type of hunting that it works, so why change it? So, Garrett, so you're a – I mean, you still, I think, probably out of – the four of us, I haven't hunt, hunted out of a traditional tree stand in many, many years. Bobby, I know the same for you. Scott, I know the same for you. So, Garrett, mm -hmm. I know you still kind of ride the fence. So, yeah. what's keeping you from taking taking the leap and going full saddle? So, when you look at a traditional tree stand, one of the things that you get with that is you essentially get like a frame pack to be able to carry your gear. So, if you're one of these people that wants to take in four climbing sticks and camera gear and extra clothes... A lot of times it packs really nicely onto the frame of a hang-on stand, especially a light one, lightweight one like a lone wolf or something cast where you're not getting that much weight with the platform all by itself. It just it sits nicely, and then you could put a you know a heavy pair of, of backpack straps on it. And it's a pretty comfortable walk, even though you're carrying a lot more weight overall. Uh, whereas it seems like with the saddle, if you end up carrying a lot more gear, like if I'm going saddle hunting and I want to carry a platform and I want to bring in all my camera gear and my camera arm, extra clothes, it's a little bit more challenging to figure out exactly what the best way is to pack all that stuff in so it's not just flopping around all over my back. And I don't want to you know, carry in a frame pack to carry all that stuff on because it kind of defeats the purpose of going minimalist. If you're going true minimalist in the, terms, in the sense of you don't want to carry a lot of extra crap, then saddle hunting, there's really no reason to go, not much of a reason to go with a, a traditional tree stand. I think having that frame is one of the big potential advantages of it. Uh, the other thing that I kind of tell people is that a lot of it honestly depends on the individual tree and it's kind of a case by case basis. So with a tree stand, you have some blind spots you can't shoot. But if you're hunting in an area where you're only going to have one major trail, the trail that the deer are going to walk on, 
you can usually cover it pretty well. Same is true with a saddle. With a saddle, you can you could actually shoot 360 degrees, but there's still going to be certain regions around the tree that are going to be a lot easier to shoot than others. And typically, if you have a primary trail, you're going to want to set up your saddle to where you're going to have the easiest shot on that uh, primary trail. So <clears throat> depending on which way the tree leans, if you have a tree that leans backwards or you have a tree that leans forward toward the trail, away from the trail, or if you have a tree that has a bunch of brush on one side of it, that can all kind of you know, alter which one I would potentially want to choose for a particular tree. But a lot of guys you're looking for kind of an either or, whereas I've always kind of seen it as kind of like a, what's the best tool for the job on this individual sit. And so a lot of times like scouting becomes pretty critical. You know, if I'm going in on a spring scouting trip, I'll take notes and I'll say this waypoint, you know, I expect deer to come from this direction. It's a better tree for a saddle or it's a better tree for a hang on stand and I'll take pictures or video clip and show exactly where I want to place it on the tree. And I kind of get all that in like a, a library of my spots so that once I'm actually ready to hunt it in the fall, I can kind of review all that data and I know exactly what to bring. Um, but for a lot of guys that maybe haven't done that level of scouting, they just want to know, you know, one or the other, which one's the better. It's like a black and white issue and there's only one right answer, which I don't necessarily always agree with, but it's, it's kind of what you want. I think there's a lot more advantages to a saddle personally, if people are willing to give it a try. And, you know, over the last couple of years, I've slowly transitioned from using the tree stand, you know, 80% of the time and the saddle only like 20% of the time. Now I've transitioned to the point where almost all of my sits are with a saddle because they have so many advantages. And the only time that I'll ever go back to a tree stand is if, like I said before, I have one of those trees that just is better set up on the particular side that I need to be on for a hang on stand more so than a saddle to get that easy shot with minimal movement. Man, that was very well said Garrett on the spot. I mean, you pretty much laid it out exactly like I was expecting you to. So good on you. Uh, we just did a podcast. Scott and I did uh, a saddle hunter podcast with John Eberhart and I'm sure most of your listeners will know who John Eberhart is, but if you don't, if you've lived under a rock for the last 40 years, He's a public land guy from Michigan, and he's killed something like 54, 55 record book bucks and, you know, like 52 seasons of hunting. And he held the state record in Michigan with muzzleloader for a while. And he's just a he's a straight up killer. I mean, the guy gets it done every year in the most heavily pressured hunting state in the country. And he's been saddle hunting since 19. I believe 1980 or 1981, something like 40 years he's been saddle hunting. And Scott and I interviewed him a couple weeks ago, and it was funny. He is like, I just don't get why anyone would ever hunt out of anything but a saddle. It makes no sense. Tree stands are crazy. They're dangerous and stupid. And it's just, it was, it's very entertaining to hear him talk. But, uh, Gary, I think you made a very good case of staying a little bit more moderate in your, uh, in your decision making. So, Scott, what's your thoughts on it? Um, well, first I want to say that Garrett mentioned that he's been going more and more towards the saddle, and I think he's at 80-20 right now. So I think that alone shows the benefits. But I um, I can't see a reason to hunt out of a tree stand. If I can hunt a tree with a tree stand, I can hunt a tree with a saddle. At a boy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't hunted out of a tree stand in... It's got to be six or seven years now, and the last time I hunted out of a tree stand just happened to be because it was a, 
a quick walk after work in uh in our late bow season my friend had a, a stand set up and i shot a doe out of there two nights in a row but besides that i, I haven't hunted out of uh, anything but a saddle and I, I probably never will again i think i've hunted out of one tree stand since 2005 and that was because a buddy shot a doe that morning left a tree stand in the trees so i told him well hey i'll just go hunt it and I'll pull your tree stand out when I come. It was a lone wolf climber and I actually shot a bobcat out of that tree stand with myself. Mm-hmm. That's the last time I've hunted a tree stand since and, 2005. And that was probably like 2009, maybe 2008. Yeah. And Bob, there. Well, we, we could go on and on about this, but just being in a tree stand, I, I just feel awkward at this point. I'd feel limited, handcuffed, however you want to call it. I don't know what I would do with myself. Uh, Garrett, your, your explanation was pretty much to a T what happened to me. I, I started hunting from a saddle about 10 years ago, but I was, I was like you, you know, like 50, 50, you know, I'd go out and I'd hunt out of my climber or a lock on stand or whatever. And then I would hunt with the saddle when I felt like, you know, playing with it some more. But then, uh, when I moved and I, and I had to get out of my comfort zone of hunting, I moved from Florida to Colorado. And I mean, I was dealing with 100% public land hunting. Uh, I was no longer using, you know, like family gear, you know, because growing up hunting with my family, my, my dad paid for tree stands and for climbing sticks and for all the stuff that goes along with it. And so I was faced with, well, do I want to buy all that stuff again or do I want to buy one thing, you know, that can do it all? And, and so that's when I started to make my transition into you know, hundred percent saddle hunting, but I, I do understand where you're coming from, Garrett. And I definitely see the, the merits of, of, uh, traditional tree stand in some situations. One of the biggest ones that I think, I don't remember somebody pointed out to me one time was basically sometimes you find that tree that's the perfect tree and the opening where you can hang a stand or a saddle is facing the trail. And in that instance, you could put a tree stand on that tree because it's facing the trail out in front of you. Whereas with a saddle, basically you would have to have your back to the trail. So like Garrett said, it, it really depends on the tree. So something like in that situation, or say you, you cut out a cedar tree, basically because of a saddle, it would be kind of difficult to cut out a spot in a cedar tree for a saddle compared to a traditional tree stand. So I think sometimes the tree really does dictate it in certain spots. That's a great point about the cedar tree. I mean, that's really impractical with the, with the saddle. I mean, you'd basically have to ring the entire tree at hunting height, whereas with a, with a traditional lock-on stand, you could just you know hollow out one spot and still be really well covered. Yep. I don't know who's crazy enough to hunt out of a cedar tree with a saddle anyways. <laughs> but you know, you know what a cedar tree is good for? If you have a tree right in front of a cedar tree... You can actually, I have one spot where I trimmed up almost like a little hole in the cedar tree and I'm in the tree right in front of it and I just disappear into this tree. I could definitely see that. Yeah, I do that up north quite a bit with poplar trees surrounded by spruce. You just climb up the poplar tree right next to the spruce and you got a lot of cover around you even though you're not actually hooked into it. To me, I'm just, I think the, the benefits of a saddle far outweigh benefits of our traditional tree stand in many ways for the most part yeah well i mean hopefully with hopefully with podcasts like this and information that like you and greg and and everybody's putting out and a resource like the saddle hunter forum 
people that are on the fence or curious, because I know there's a lot of people that are curious about it, um, there's a lot more information to help them be able to make a decision. Absolutely. That's what we're trying to do. All right. I want to hear everybody's favorite Thaddlepalooza moments. Ooh. Um, I don't know. Greg sticking his foot in that boot was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, sorry, Greg. Got to throw you under the bus for that one. But that yeah, was... You're right. I mean, I earned it. I, I will I will take it. You know, I'll take it like a man. That was pretty bad. <laughs> I guess I would say my favorite. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and be cliche and say that my favorite part was just getting to meet you guys and, uh, and, and not just the people, you know, on this podcast right now, but all the guys on the forum. I mean, it was so cool to see Ernie and Huck and Eric and, and Jay and Dan and all those guys. I don't want to start naming names cause I'll forget people, but everyone that was there, they, uh, they were just such great people. I mean, I, I felt like I could have a conversation with any one of them, even though I just met them. And, you know, it was like we were old friends. I feel like I could go on a hunting trip with any of those guys and, and gal and Jess. I mean, she's a killer, I think. So I could definitely go on a hunt with any of those folks and just have a great time. And that, for me, was awesome. And wasn't it amazing how we had somewhere between 30 and 40 guys together for the better part of four and a half days? And I don't think there was one strong disagreement or fight between anyone. Yeah. I don't know, Huck. I don't. I don't know about that guy. <laughs> Just stirring yeah. up controversy. The jury's still out with Huck. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah but right. then, and, you know, and all the guys from West Virginia. I, I do want to mention those guys because uh, Jared flinging arrows and LG and Grant and and Jared's dad, Mr. Schaefer, and they even brought you know Jared's son Austin, and they were such great guys. They drove so far and like. Ike man, he came all the way from Texas. He drove like 14 hours or something crazy like that. I mean, I think it just goes to show uh, the type of camaraderie and the type of community that we've built over at Saddle Hunter. It's just a really close knit group of guys where people are willing to drive from halfway across the country. And I mean, Bobby, you flew in from Utah, from Utah, and you didn't even hunt. I mean, that says something about the type of people that were there. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So. Besides just the general weekend of meeting everybody and hanging out, um, which was awesome, you can't top it. But I, I have three particular moments that stand out to me that I'll, I probably won't ever forget. And I'm going to go in chronological order here. The first one is me, Garrett, and Bongo going down that boat in the fog down the river. That was just so cool. If you didn't experience that, you don't even you you can't even understand. It was just cool. I have a, an awesome photo I snapped where. Bongo's in the photo, but yet he's photobombing us. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, number two was on the last evening of the hunt uh, when Greg and I are hanging a couple feet apart in the tree. We didn't see any pigs, but we probably saw more deer than Greg saw all season that night. <laughs> uh, oh, and, man. And here we are up in the tree. We're, like, laughing like a couple uh, kids because we're having so much fun, but it, it was good. And then um, my last one would be uh, later on that night, just hanging out with everyone around the campfire and staying up till 4 a.m. It was it was just so much fun. It was definitely worth um, being exhausted at work all week. Got every single moment out of Saddle Palooza that there was to offer. Yeah, 
Yeah, that late night campfire storytelling session. That was that was probably the standout moment for me. That was a pretty good time. How about Coon die soon, right? <laughs> how about getting Madeline and Austin up in a in a saddle? You know, two sticks up off the ground, seeing future saddle hunters right there. That was pretty cool. I yeah. enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to next year. How big the turnout's gonna be, and we're gonna need a bigger campground. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and make that prediction now. We're gonna need a bigger campground. Hey, yeah. Keep the trees around for all those crazy hammock people that come too. How about the guy who post came and posted and joined the forum who says, "Oh, you know, I just happened to be staying in the campground and I kept walking through your group, so I decided to come and join and see what saddle hunter was all about." Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 hard to describe. There's something about saddle hunting that just draws people together, and I, maybe it's the fact that it's new, it's it's different, and so you know we're on the fringes. And I don't know. I can't explain it, but it was a lot of fun. And yeah, speaking of next year, uh, man, I've already started to think about some of the ways that we can do it better, and uh, and you know make it appeal to more people, but. Uh, I think all in all, I'm just gonna kind of savor, savor that trip because it was it was definitely one of the highlights for me. It was it was an excellent excellent time. It was a, it was a special weekend for sure. And I just want to thank you again for putting it together, Greg. Because without you, it wouldn't have happened. And that food. Yeah. Well, well I don't know. I don't know about that whole seafood day. That was <laughs> that was no bueno. But <laughs> uh, we we ate. The rest of that barbecue was pretty good. And we ate like kings, that's for sure. There was that's no shortage true. of food. Yeah, it was a very well put together, thought out event with a bunch of bunch of great guys and a heck of a weekend. Although it was like eighty degrees and I got sunburnt in February. What's up with that crap? <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bobby, Garrett, for those for those listeners out there that want to know more about you guys, how can uh, saddle hunters find out about you? Well, for me, they can find me on YouTube. My channel is called DIY Sportsman. I'm also on Facebook, DIY Sportsman, and Instagram at DIY underscore Sportsman. And I also have a website, DIY-Sportsman.com. Yeah, so for me, um, I can be found on SaddleHunter.com forum. I go by Boudreaux on there. Uh, I've got a YouTube channel. I think it's uh, Boudreaux Boswell, I think is what it is. And then I'm also on Instagram under the same name, but I don't typically post on it very often unless it's something tremendously saddle related yep and then of course we also have the diy sportsman podcast that we both uh, co-host and that is actually not found if you'll search diy sportsman that's actually under the di or the uh, sportsman's nation podcast network so if you go to any of your you know major podcast listening apps or if you go to sportsmansnation.com you'll be able to search uh, and find not only our podcast but a couple other great podcasts all under the same rss feed all right, I, I can't thank Garrett and Bobby enough for coming on and uh, doing this joint podcast with us. Uh, not only was it a, a real blast doing this podcast together, but we had so much fun hanging out together at Saddle Palooza. Yeah, uh, you know, I think you could tell by the two podcasts that we did that, that we had a lot of fun, and uh, definitely can't wait for next year's Saddle Palooza. Uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm already thinking about next year. How about you? Oh yeah, I'm. Uh trying to figure out how I'm going to get the time away from home to come back. Maybe a little, maybe a little more time. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. But 
Now that that's over, we got to get back into scouting. It's still February, so, well, as as we're recording this, it's February, so time to get back into postseason scouting. we got to find those big bucks and where they're going to be next year, so I know that's what my, my next weekends are going to be like, and then it's going to be turkey season, and then it's going to be fishing season, so, man, it's just going from one thing to the next. Yeah, you want to, you want to talk postseason scouting next episode? Ooh, that's a great idea, and we uh, we have a few folks on the forum that could come on and talk postseason scouting. That would be awesome. Yeah, I think it's the right time to do it, right? Okay, let's do it. Next episode will be postseason scouting, uh, so you guys can look forward to that. Scott, what else do you have for them before we let them go? Uh, Saddlepalooza was a blast. If you were not able to make this here, I don't want to make you jealous, but I'm going to because you guys missed out. Um, I know how you feel because I wasn't able to go last year to the uh, the first one, which was titled Pigmageddon. Um, but I can't even tell you how much fun we had this year just getting to meet so many of our great members on the forum. Um, personally, I've known some of these guys for, uh, let's see, about four years now. And getting to meet them in person was even better than talking to them online. So um, if you can't make it next year, start making plans. Or you couldn't make it this year, start making plans for next year now. Very well said. I I can't even follow that up. He said everything that I would have said. So, hey, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed uh, the kind of the way we split this up with the DIY Sportsman podcast. Make sure you you subscribe to Sportsman's Nation. They're doing a lot of cool things over there. And, hey, subscribe to the Saddle Hunter podcast if you're not already. If you listen to it on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, please, please, please subscribe and leave leave us a review. It really helps helps us uh, grow the saddle hunting community. Uh, And so once again, thank you for listening and we will catch you guys next time on the saddle hunter podcast.